Joanna, uh, as, as you know, has been in, in a bit of recovery over the last uh, few months, and she was able to come last week. It was great to see her, and, and uh, it just would be good for you to hear from her, just to uh, let her give us an update of how things are going and, and just what's happening in her life. So bless you, sister, as you share. Thanks. I had it, I've written it down. Uh, I've written down my little update like a letter, not only so that I could stay focused and on time, but also so that that way it was Gordy's good idea that if there was anybody that wasn't here, that they would kind of have my update too. So I'm going to start with the Bible verse because it's just a good way to start. I'm reading to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's an oldie and a goodie. It says, a time for everything. For everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, time to plant and time to harvest, time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, time to cry and a time to laugh. Time to grieve and a time to dance. Time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate a time for war, and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? Verse 9 goes on to say, I've seen the burden that God's placed on us all, and yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. So I have concluded there's nothing better than to be happy. And enjoy ourselves for as long as we can, and people should eat and drink. And enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are the gifts of God. So, my dear Vineyard family, I know it's kind of funny for me to read to you, but I'm just going to read to you. It's good to be with you again. Thank you very much for all your love and care that you have expressed to me in so many ways over the past three months. I began with these verses from Ecclesiastes because I've been reflecting on them a lot lately. Christine kindly loaned me a book on spiritual rhythms. That has been a really great blessing to me, so thank you for that. In this book, the author writes that God made the world and all of us to live in seasons. And all too often, though, we carry on as if there are no seasons, as if we can just be on full throttle for uh, in one mode or one season for years and years, and we're not designed to live that way. And as you all know, this past April to August, I helped lead the church while Gordy and Kathleen were on sabbatical. And towards the end of the sabbatical season, I started noticing symptoms in my health that were really clear red flags that something was very wrong with my rhythm and season, the pace of my life. So these symptoms had to do with brain function. Um, My memory was impacted. My speech and language was impacted my ability to read certain types of text, and a lot of other factors. Um, It was really scary, and along with a lot of other mental health symptoms, was very overwhelming. And I'm very grateful for all of you. As a community, many of you 
have walked with me closely through this and you've helped make this a very safe place to share what was happening and to get the help that I needed. So thank you for that. Um, I've discovered that these physical symptoms are connected with burnout, which is a widely used term that I thought was only connected with people that didn't have any passion or vision or faith. Um, I thought that I can't be burned out because I still love my job and I love my family and I love my God, but apparently the God that I love has designed our bodies in a really miraculous way that when we don't actually care for ourselves well and we don't acknowledge the rhythms and seasons of our lives, he has built in measures where our bodies will stop for us. (laughs) And that is literally what happened. My brain just stopped doing many of the things that it used to do simply because it needed a break. And so... It's most important for me to know that, most important for me that you know that I do not blame the church or this community for this happening to me. And I hope that you will not either. Because the leaders and the colleagues that I have here at VEV were incredibly proactive in planning for the sabbatical ahead of time, supporting me with weekly and monthly meetings, and covering Wade and I and our family in a lot of ways. There was a budget in place for me to have spiritual direction, which I did not use. And while we had a number of circumstances in our family that were very challenging in the last year and that came to a head during the sabbatical, the bottom line is I have not cared well for myself for a long time. And God's desires for me to be healthy and well in my whole mind and body and spirit, and it's just time that I look at the ways that I give of myself that are not always healthy or wise. Um, In the book that I talked about before, the author talked about the seasons of life, like seasons of the year, and he talks about the spiritual season of winter. (laughs) And he says... Winter shames those people that are in it. It feels like personal failure. feels like something we caused or we missed or we faltered in. And we chide ourselves for being there and we're sure that it's our fault. And I definitely started this season in a place of shame because I've been in ministry for a long time and I know all this stuff. I know you're supposed to have quiet times. I know you're supposed to do all this stuff. But one of the things that's most helpful, can I get Kleenex? Why was there not, oh, Kleenex is right there. Kenny, you are the church roadie. God bless you. Has anybody ever noticed that Esther just like needs to raise her hand and Kenny's like, he's got the tea. It's awesome. So one of the most helpful things in distilling truth is when you have children, you have to explain to them what's going on. (laughs) And as you, most of you know, Wade and I have three incredible children who are very smart and compassionate and funny and wise, and I had to explain what was happening and why Mama now was in bed every day and why Mama couldn't get her words right or string a thought together. And so we started out by explaining that Mommy had sprained her brain, just like she sprained her knee this past summer. And we'd been reassured by our pastors and spiritual directors and doctors and counselors that I was going to get better, but that my brain was sprained. And for as far as where God was in all this, especially our youngest child, Pax, who's six, when he asked why God was taking so long to heal my brain, 
And why did God just not do it right now? We got to share with them how God's ideas are bigger than our ideas and that God had rescued me and that God is a good mom and a good dad. And just like I would take away too much candy from Pax if he kept eating that much candy, making himself sick, God knew how to help me by taking things away from me when I was making myself sick. And so this is where I've pondered the verse I read earlier in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 10. I've seen the burden that God's placed on us all, and yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people can't see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So this season's been one of trusting that our story is not over and that we can't see the whole scope of what it is that God's doing. And of course, verse 12 is, I concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves for as long as we can and that people should eat and drink the fruits of their labor for these are gifts from God. Because wonderfully and profoundly enough, the prescription for my healing is for me to ponder and meditate upon beauty and to take in with all of my five senses all the beauty in my life. That's literally what my therapist has me doing. Stopping, noticing, describing with adjectives, taking in how things make me feel, being present, being grounded. Just that's it. That's the work that's actually healing me. It's so biblical. (laughs) It's so biblical. So we've all been working hard, my husband especially. And I can do a lot more now than I could three months ago. I still have to rest every day. Loud noises, a lot of voices, a lot of visual or auditory stimulation is hard for me. So being at church has been hard, but it's getting better. And we don't really know how long this particular winter is going to last. There's no prognosis for when I'll be better. Um, As far as seasons go, there is one thing that we have discerned as a family, and we're all feeling a lot of peace around the fact that the season of me being assistant pastor here at VEV has come to an end now. And while this has been very much impacted by my illness, Gordy and I had already been talking before the sabbatical about how my portfolio would need to change when he came back. With his role as the um, national and provincial oversight team shifting, our needs for an assistant pastor at the church have changed. And really, there's more of a need for administration and oversight for our children's ministry now. And three years ago when we prayed about me accepting this position, God spoke a few things to us. One was that I was called to be a pastor and that God would release me to be a pastor but not another role. And this was not out of disdain for any other role but just obedience to what we heard God say to us. We also sensed that this would be for a very specific season. And interestingly, I began my role as assistant pastor for you November the 15th, 2012. And when the church board and Wade and I finished the conversation about my employment and signed off on my decision to end this season, uh, they brought me the paperwork exactly three years to the day on November the 15th, 2015. So it was exactly three years. God also told me that I was, just a second, my computer, stop it, app. God also spoke to me that I was a doula for this season in our church. 
So like, much like an expectant mother has a doula that helps her with her childbirth, but doesn't stay with her the whole time that her baby grows up, God spoke to me that I was going to help something new come to birth through VEV. And so that's been my joy. We do not have plans to leave the church. <laughs> that is not what this means, just to be clear. <laughs> Wade, yeah, come on. Wade and I are still on the oversight team. I'm going to continue to be, remain on medical leave at this point in time. We'll just continue that conversation as long as it goes. At this point, Wade is still continuing in his role of four hours a week employed by the church for web and technical support. And so while I started this season in a really hard place, and there's still a lot of things that are hard in this time, I'm enjoying now some of the quiet blessings that are coming with the season of winter, both spiritually and um, in nature right now, too. The Father has been relentless in pouring his love out on me. He's given me many, many, many well-dones. And even though it's really hard for me to leave this job, which I love, I am not leaving this season of pastoring bereft. I am leaving knowing that I'm promised that because I have been fruitful, I'm being pruned. And so just to quote the author of the Spiritual Seasons book one more time, He says this about being pruned. Pruning strengthens our core. It takes energy that has been dissipated over a wide span, branching every which way, and distills it down into a trunk and a few solid arms. So that means that spring will find you lean and strong and ready to bear much fruit. So thanks, everybody. I love you. So I'd like to just pray over Joanna. I, I did this in person with her already a few weeks, maybe months ago already, just, just releasing her from... Uh, any kind of sense of burden or responsibility in carrying a system pastor role. Um, I believe that when you commission someone, uh, that they're, it's not a decommissioning, it's a recommissioning. It's a, it's a shift. And uh, yesterday morning in my devotions, I was reading where David was trying to figure out what the Levites were supposed to do. Because you'll remember in the Old Testament, they were responsible for carrying the ark and moving stuff around and all of a sudden they went oh that season's done what do we do and so it's interesting that David then commissioned them to a new so it wasn't an end it was a shift it was a change and so so that's what this is it's a it's a season change and we're we're acknowledging it I think we all just have discerned that for some time now but it's just just naming that publicly and, 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 and blessing what, what, uh, what God is doing in you and in, in your family and in, in the church as part of this season together. So, Lord, we thank you for Joanna's testimony.
her, her, her confession uh, of you at work, that winter is still your idea. And we bless the season of winter. We bless the stillness, the quietness, the surprises that winter can bring. But that it would come, Lord, in, in rest and in continued replenishing. It would come in continued restoration and healing. And uh, again, Hosea 6, I just want to bless you with that post-breakdown word that God just riveted into my heart. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he is torn, but he will heal. He is stricken, but he will bind us up. And his wounds are surgery wounds, surgical wounds, healing wounds, restoring wounds. So we bless your heart, Joanna, to, to be, do what the Father's doing. And right now it's to lie down in green pastures and beside the still waters. We bless what the Father's doing. And in the name of Jesus, we, we express gratitude for the work of the Father that has been done in you through this season. That you walked us through the notice of our eviction. You walked us through our search for a new venue. You walked alongside of us as we came into St. David of Wales a year and three months ago. And you walked us through this sabbatical. This was that season that the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. You think you've known joy. You haven't seen nothing yet. So we just bless you. We bless you with that thank you for your faithfulness. And we, like a doula, we just needed you, your, who you are to get us there from, from there to here. Yeah. And it's still going to happen. It's just the role is going to shift. And you're still our sister and our friend and just such a core, key part of this body. There's eldership, leadership, pastoral on you. You'll always be that. Just like I was when I was in that university department at UBC or wherever I was, I learned. It wasn't, wasn't the job. It was who I was. And so we just bless you to enter more into more of a reality of that, more of an experience of that, more of a joy of, of how he's made you. And we rejoice to watch it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for sharing, John. Love you. So I'm going to hand it over to Kathleen, who's going to pray for Wade. And I'm going to head downstairs. Bless you guys. One of the words that here as I get ready to pray for Wade uh, that Sandra and her team 
your elves, which included your beautiful husband and children and friends. And I thought, I said to Will, what's that word back there? Because I, ne- I couldn't read it. And I said, it can't be short. It's comfort. Comfort. And I was reminded as we we're praying for Joanna, I'm going to pray for you. What a privilege to pray for you. Uh, you know, Jesus, through the prophet Isaiah, said, comfort ye, my people. Comfort ye, no longer storm-tossed or afflicted. And we're all on this journey. Sometimes the enemy comes in like a flood. The Lord raises up a standard. But other times we hear the word from Isaiah that says, I am rebuilding you. If you go to that passage, it's beautiful. uh, That scripture has ministered to me and my family with my son and my daughter And he says he's rebuilding us with stones of turquoise and I can't even pronounce them. Maybe other. Or and and beautiful diamonds, but you know, representing the beauty of God, what Joanna was talking about, meditating on the beauty. So Father, we have a a beautiful man here, and we want to hear what he has to say. He's a man that teaches us. Not to say what we say, but to do what we are to do. In other words, we are to put what we believe into our feet and walk it out. And Wade does that, Lord. He hears your voice. Here's the way, Wade. Walk in it. And he's here to teach us and to help us in our souls today uh, that we can take something that we can put into our lives and we can apply it. And all the time we can just sit in this amazing comfort. Even as the, when Gordy talked about anticipating the coming of Jesus, the light just shone through these glass stained windows today and just shone on us in a beautiful way. So we are not just living, anticipating things, we are just resting right now in the quietness and confidence that God has for us and trusting that as we submit ourselves, to your scripture, to your word, Lord, it, it will quicken us. It's a spirit and life to us. So we allow the Holy Spirit to move today, to give us a word of wisdom, knowledge, healing, and deliverance through Wade, and that we would just have our hearts ready to respond and our lives ready to be presented to you as well. In Jesus' name. And everybody can say, Amen. Amen. All right, friends. All right, here's your first heads up. We're not going to be done in 19 minutes. So I know you can all deal with it. All right, so uh, as we said many times already, it's my awesome uh, privilege to theoretically wrap us up on our entire Good and Beautiful Everything series. Good and Beautiful God, Good and Beautiful Life, Good and Beautiful Community, and just because we're VEV and we can't do anything traditional, Gordy's going to sneak in his sermon somewhere in there too, so it's all good. So for those of you who've been reading these books, or even if you haven't been listening at all, uh, you know that everything that we've been talking about, the premise of all these books, is that we have these false narratives in our lives, right? Um, that we believe that hinder us from growing into what God has for us. So in talking about the good and beautiful God, good and beautiful life, good and beautiful community, we need to look at our false narratives and replace them with God's true narratives, right? So this whole chapter 
Anyone other than me actually read the chapter? Okay, there you go. Sweet. Well, for those of you who didn't, chapter is really simple, really easy. The chapter was basically, how do we take everything from all three books and apply it to our lives? And also, here are the cheat notes, thanks to the amazing Kim Perry on the back of your bulletin. That's essentially all three books right there. Boom. So this concept of wrapping up and writing a soul training plan is how do you take everything that we've been talking about for, has it been a year? Start of the spring? Anyways, how do we take everything and how do we apply it in a systematic way that we can continue to grow in what God has told us to do? So the author is suggesting that you write a plan, that you write a schedule. So first of all, we need to identify those false narratives. And so the first one, as you've already jumped ahead, thanks to the PowerPoint, is the false narrative that might be going through your mind is, first of all, eh, I don't need a plan. Like, really, why should I bother? Or B, I don't need a plan. You know, I can do it on my own. Uh, So, of course, you've heard this trite saying many times before. uh, You know, if you fail a plan, you're planning to fail. Uh, I think that answers something. You know, I... Okay, so here's my confession that's going to go through basically everything. I hate all these... Uh, self-help BS crap, like those phrases. But you know what really bothers me is that they're usually true. So this is my own, every time I get up here a couple times a year, you guys hear me confess my Gen X angst. It, that is just me. That's my angst of... I think I would fall into this category of my narrative. I don't need a plan. So often I get, plans are great because of the tyranny of the urgent, right? There's always something you're like, I'm really mean to do this, but then something happens and it derails you. Like, I don't know, the water pipe breaks or, you know, the back gate of our van, like one of the hydraulic rods snapped this week. You know, there's always something that gets in the way. So the good thing about actually planning or having a plan is it, is it keeps you on track, right? You're no longer slave to the tyranny of the urgent, which, if we're going to be honest, isn't really all that urgent, usually, right? But we get caught up in our culture. We're always on this hamster wheel of, oh, this is so important. This is so important. That it, and really, it's not, right? Um, so having a plan um, really helps with that, and it helps me get over my Gen X angst. Um, I could probably do a whole sermon on that last line about how I've, you know, setting goals is really good and it helps me deal with my own sort of fatalism of, yeah, I, I can't get on that rabbit trail or I'll talk about that forever. Uh, but yes, yeah, so helpful to get over that um, false narrative. The other thing that we need to talk about is this idea that our spiritual growth Um, that we really don't need a plan or that we can do it on our own. Um, Of course, my friends, we all know that we are not designed to live in isolation and that God has called us uh, into a community. Uh, And this community, 
that we have in front of us, I think, as Joanna was saying before, is really one of the most beautiful ones that I've ever experienced in my life. And how you guys have, uh, personally, because I'm holding the microphone, how you guys have cared for our family, not only in the last three months as we've been walking through this um, this season change for, for Joanna professionally, but ever since I walked, I set foot in this church in the late 90s at Grace Chinese Methodist Church off Commercial Drive, this community has cared for me. And we're good at caring for each other. And not in that, hey, it's Sunday, Jesus loves you, happy sort of way. Because I hate that. <laughs> yeah, like you've literally come over and scrubbed our toilets before. You've helped us out. And it's not about Wade and Joanna, and Joanna was the assistant pastor. You guys do this for each other. We do this. And that's rare, and it's beautiful. So the reason why we can't do it on our own is because it's much more fun and real if we do it together, right? And you guys are, are already doing this. And that flies in the face of our broken culture that glorifies independence so much. And if you really, if you really want to get all angsty and Gen X about that, that's so wrong. Just that this obsession with independence. I mean, I was thinking about this today, thinking about our lovely Ruby Tefra, right? As soon as you have a baby, right, you're so aware of this because people are like, oh, is your baby sleeping by itself? Oh, is your baby in its own room? Oh, your baby's two weeks old. Has it signed up? Is, is it doing algebra yet? You know, like, it's a baby. It's helpless. It's our job to care for it. But our culture is so obsessed with them. You know, get the baby away. It's on its own. It's in this different room. Let it do its own thing. It's just ridiculous. That's another tangent I can get off on. I better keep going. Obviously, we know that um, doing it together and having accountability, built-in accountability, helps us to make um, life changes. So those are the false narratives um, of this chapter uh, that uh, we need to look at. So if you're about to embark on your journey of writing a soul training plan, there are two possible um, responses, two possible outcomes um, that you may do. If you sit down with pad and paper, and if you look at this amazing list and look at your notes of what all this entails, there are two possible outcomes that you could have. I think the number one thing that I want to focus on is the possibility of having an unrealistic and impossible list. Um, so, obviously, in making a soul training plan, we need uh, these things. Yeah, let's go one more. There's no sense writing a life-guiding plan if it's, uh, if it's not balanced, if it's not feasible. Because, you know, um, rules that can't be followed aren't really helpful, are they? And I think that this is so important because I know as I was raised in the evangelical church. No one actually said this out loud, and you guys have 
and I think I say this every time I stand up here again, that we're always in the struggle of this wrong thinking of the false narrative between the sacred and the secular, right? I grew up in a very conservative church. We loved Jesus a lot. We wore the Jesus suits. We sang the Jesus songs. We made sure that everyone knew everything about Jesus, but that was only on Sunday, And then it seemed like the rest of the week from Monday to Saturday was, oh, well, this is just normal life. And then Sunday comes and then you put on the suit again and now we're Christian, right? And no one said that out loud, but that was the culture, yeah? And then people would give sermons about that, how, you know, God's, you know, we need to be witnesses. And, but it never really changed everything. There was still this sacred and secular divide. Um, so, this ties into this uh, of not making an unrealistic and impossible list because everything that we do towards our health is for our spiritual growth. I think a great example of this is my beautiful wife, Joanna. Stopping being the assistant pastor is part of her spiritual growth. Now, of course, in our church minds, we're like, well, that's not spiritual. If you're really going to grow with God, shouldn't you remain the pastor? Because that's God's will. No. No, it's not. Right? That goes complete. That's countercultural to not only this independence thing, but also our bizarre evangelical works based faith, right? Because it reflects our false narrative of needing to earn God's approval, right? So here's what I have to say to you when we're talking about this list. Relax. God loves you, right? We live in a ridiculous scandal of grace. This is what is bizarre about the gospel. Parable of the workers of the vineyard. Remember that one? Matthew 20. So here's this dude. He owns a vineyard. This is Wade's paraphrased version. You know, uh, he's like, I need someone to harvest my grapes in the vineyard. Work day's starting. It's 8 a.m. Let's go hire some dudes. Dudes, I need you to work in the vineyard. I'm going to pay you a fair day's wages. We're going to pay you 10 bucks. Sound good? They're like, that's totally labor rate. I'm in. I need the money. Great. They go out. They work. You guys know how the story goes. A couple hours later, this is going fast enough. I need more guys. Let's hire them at 10 o'clock. You guys in? Great. Hire some more at noon. Yep. Hire some more at two. Yep. We're going to quit work at six. Hire some more at four. Six o'clock comes around. It's like, okay, payday, guys. Lines everyone up. He pays everyone 10 bucks. Boom, 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 boom. What do the first guys say? That's not fair. Right? Guy said, what? I said to you, I'll pay you 10 bucks. You said yes. This parable is not about fairness. It's about grace, right? So, you know, guess what? You walk in here today, you know, uh, did you have a fight with your spouse before you came here? Hey, God loves you. Isn't that amazing? Did you hire a prostitute and do some cocaine before you came here? Great, God loves you. (gasps) That shocks us. Even the fact that I just said that shocks us because we still have this hierarchy, you know, we still have this hierarchy of sin in our minds. It doesn't matter. Did you, did you gossip about someone else downstairs in the kitchen? Who cares? God loves you. 
Now, now we need to repent of our sin, but it's so built into us, right, that somehow we earn God's love. But ultimately, we're all horrible, fallen, miserable sinners. So the fact that God freely hands out his grace to us is just such a radical countercultural idea. Okay, so I got to start blowing through this. Uh, wow, yeah, that's a whole sermon right there. All right. So the other thing that could happen to you is um, you could be resistant to the idea of creating a life rule or a list. Uh, And these are probably why. You could have authority issues. um, You could have a fear of failure. It could be that backlash of legalism again that I kind of grew up with. You know, like I'm not going to make a plan because that's a rule and I don't need your rules, man. So step off. And once again, that's my Gen X angst. I'm continuing to work with that. Um, So this word rule from, of course, my background seems very legalistic and confining. So let's use this phrase instead, plan and strategy. That's nice. So the author says, these are his wise words, uh, that uh, a plan and strategy is a balanced and wholesome pattern that helps define how we want to live. And it helps us go beyond merely good intentions and into actions. And it's not as a set of laws, but as a life rhythm. I really like that second one, right? It's just a strategy to go beyond the, hey, I should really do this, into let's actually make this happen. I like that. I can live with that. Um, So, my friends, we have some small PowerPoint issues here, if you can bear with me from the transition from Mac to PC. So, but you guys know where I'm going. All right. So, here's how the author suggests we do this. So, once again, let's look at this. Let's look. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So what we're really talking about here is these three parts, right? You're going to love your God, love your neighbor, love yourself. So a good soul training plan includes all three of those parts. And here's the list of them, which is on your fabulous Uh, green little handout there. So um, in the book, at the end of each chapter, of course, they had these soul training exercises, which I thought was probably the most awesome part of the book. Like, I love love that, here's truth, let's go into action. I love that, you know, applied learning model. Um, And so of all three books, here's the division of the ones that were sort of broken up into God, self, and others. Once again, you have them in your list. So what the author is suggesting is, first of all, you pick some, soul, some of the exercises from the list that were transforming for you, like those that you did that rang true, and you're like, wow, yeah, I really got that. That was really good. Um, And so he suggests that you do not the only ones that you liked, although that's really important, but also things that may have been difficult, but that were beneficial for you. And so then I suggest that you narrow those down. Do less. Going to talk about that in a second, right? So, and include exercises from all three categories. Now, here's the fun part. Adding stuff 
that's not on the list. Um, what other sort of spiritual practices do you have as part of your life that you find meaningful? Not just from the book. Uh, what other things like nurture your soul deep in your core or are good for you? And they don't have to be spiritual. Why? Because God's incarnational in us. Everything that we do as we walk out our faith is spiritual. Now, as long as we're not sending our faces off, right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going back to the cocaine and prostitutes analogy. Not talking about that. Okay. Um, rest and play is very, very important. God designed us for that. So what would that mean for you? You know, what, what fills you? How do you relax in a healthy manner? Uh, what about exercise? So on top of sort of the list on the back of the bulletin of the soul training exercises, what else would you add to your soul training plan for your life that helps you to grow? Rest, play, exercise. It's a good idea to keep those in mind while you do that. All right. Timing and frequency. Here's the difficult part. Balance. Don't overdo it. Don't get frustrated and quit. And that's so difficult because in the back of our brains, once again, we have this horrible little very evil voice that keeps telling us that we have to do more. We have to do more. You have to earn God's love. You're not doing enough. Something else is always urgent. Tell that little voice in the back of your head to shut up. Because it's not right. Matthew 20, parable of the workers of the vineyard. We do not earn God's grace. He gives it to all of us, no matter what, no matter who we are. It's not about being fair, right? The people who started first thing in the morning were paid a fair wage. They agreed to that wage. That's a parable about God's ridiculous, unbelievable, scandalous grace. So, obviously, balancing it also helps us to avoid this New Year's resolution syndrome that I had you start talking about at the beginning. And then, this is basically saying the same thing that I just said because we need to hear it again. How can we um, be balanced between the three categories of God, self, and others and between also doing other exercises that are beneficial for our spiritual growth and for our physical health? And also, it has to be attainable. If you make a goal that is impossible to ever do, what's going to happen? It's not going to happen, right. You're going to quit, right? God's not interested in us being perfect. Because guess what? We're not. We are dirty, dirty sinners who have been redeemed by God's scandalous grace. God's not interested in us being superhuman. He is interested in us growing. 
So it's much, much better to start as a tiny little seed and take a super long time to become this massive cedar. We're surrounded by these beautiful trees. We live in this rainforest by these trees that have been here for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And how did they start? It's these tiny, tiny little seeds from a pine cone. And and then they grow and they grow. And after a very long time, they are immovable. Whereas what happens if you plant, well, once again, another parable. You plant the seed in the shallow earth. It grows really fast. And then what happens? Dies, right? So here are the tips. Do less. Once again, saying that is so countercultural. Do less. It's okay. Do less, do less, do less. Because in the back of our brain, it's always like, you're not doing enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. Blah, 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 blah. That's what we hear all our lives. God wants us to do less. He just wants us to do less so that we can grow. So we can focus on things so that way we can be successful. You're not earning God's love and approval? Parable of the vineyard workers, remember? <laughs> you know, parable of the vineyard, vineyard church, right? Isn't that? <laughs> I actually didn't get that until right now. Even though I wrote that. <laughs> uh, focusing on a few really important steps allows for a greater chance of long-term success. It's the opposite of the trooper song. We're here, we're not here for a long time, we're here for a good time. Trooper was wrong. <laughs> we are here for a long time and a good time. This is not the end. This is not the end of us. Do less. But focus on a few important steps for long-term success. Set realistic, very specific goals. Have to be measurable. So back to our New Year's resolution idea. If you make a New Year's Resolution that says, oh, this year I'd like to lose some weight. Not a good goal. What's some weight? Now, if you say, eh, I want to lose 10 pounds, that's a better goal. You say, I want to lose 10 pounds in three months, that's actually obtainable, right? It's measurable and it has a time. And is it possible to lose 10 pounds in three months? Absolutely. That's a great goal. I'm working on that myself. All right. Not that I need to lose 10 pounds in three months. I need to do other things. I need to exercise more. Right. So if they're realistic, specific goals, you can track your success. If you track your success, you can celebrate small victories. You can say, guess what? I am doing good. It helps tell all those little voices in your head to shut up. That's why this is awesome. Okay, so let's continue on. 
small steps. Many people quit because the goal is too big, requiring too big of a change all at once. Once again, if you say, hey, I'm going to lose, I don't know, 100 pounds in the month of January, is that possible? I don't know, but that's not a good goal. Smaller steps, liposuction, yeah. Very expensive, probably not the way you want to go. So, small steps. Practical tips. Focus your thinking on new narratives, new behaviors, and new thought patterns. I really like this one. So, this, my friends, is just straight-up awesome science. You need to create new neural pathways in your brain to change habits, like a tire rut. Like, your brain is actually hardwired of the way that you behave and your patterns. Many of you who have lots of experience with this are now nodding, and you know this is just straight-up science, which is super interesting. So if you're like, hey, I should really stop doing this, the idea of using willpower to stop doing that bad thing is actually only reinforcing that behavior because it's the same neural pathway in your brain. You actually need to physically rewire your brain. So you need a new pathway. So you're like, so instead of binge eating Oreos, when I feel like this, telling yourself stop eating Oreos is not the way to do it. You need a new pathway to when I'm going to do this, I'm gonna replace it with this. And that's difficult. But that's why you take it in small baby steps, right? I thought that was cool. Okay, here's your next tip. Focusing on the present. So as opposed to thinking about these big, giant, huge, I'm going to become the most amazing, I'm going to write this soul trending plan, and then I'm going to write the follow-up book, and I'm, no, 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 no. What can you do today, right now, towards that goal? Small, small, small and present. Oh, I love this one. Piggyback on or replace existing habits. Same thing. Just really good science. So if you're trying to make a change in your life, or if you're trying to do something new, it's very helpful to piggyback it on stuff that you do already. So let's say, for example, you're like, hey, you know what? I should really take my vitamins every morning, and I often forget. So what you do to make that easier for yourself is you take your vitamins and you put them in your coffee cup, right? And so then you're like, you're, you, you already have this habit of drinking coffee. You're like, if I want to add something onto it when you go grab your coffee mug, you're like, oh, I'm supposed to take my vitamins, right? Really helpful. Or you're like, hey, I should floss my teeth more. You're like, oh, I don't have time. Guess what? You put your floss in the shower, right? You can floss your teeth in the shower, right? Those things, helpful. Many, many tips. You're like, well, I don't shower very often, and I smell bad. Once again, talking about accountability, right? Doing the stuff in community. Uh, Funny. I love our church. Um, My buddy Stuart has this great thing. He asked a whole bunch of us um, to pray for him, and we all 
Um, we all are uh, disciples of the AeroPress coffee technique. If you're a coffee geek and you don't AeroPress, talk to me later. Once again, another rabbit trail that I will not go down. But he told us that when we're making our coffee and pressing our coffee, to pray for him. So it's that association from one thing to another. Um, you know what I started doing? When we did our fast, our three-day fast, um, I was crazy busy working. Uh, I knew I wouldn't be able to do a bunch. I decided that I was going to fast Twitter and Instagram. When, for those Twitter and Instagram users, when do you read your Twitter and when do you look at Instagram? When you're sitting on the throne is the correct answer. (laughs) So when I'm taking care of my business, I'm like, Twitter is great. Right? You pull up Twitter and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. That's really great, right? I, I saw, uh, Joanna and I were watching a, a TV show this week. What was it? Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And one of the characters like, so-and-so went into the bathroom and they left their phone on their desk. What's up with that? Isn't that the reason why smartphones were invented? <laughs> I read my phone in the bathroom. So what I realized that instead of reading Twitter, I could pull up my Bible reading app. And I could replace one habit with the other, right? That's what I'm talking about. And you know what? I found it very helpful, actually. Um, we, we do this. You know, this is common. You post your plan where you can see it every day, right? You make your own little motivational poster with, you know, the cat hanging in there on the thread. Hang in there, you know. Put that on your bathroom uh, mirror. Uh, we have these, uh, these special Crayola markers that are washable on windows that you can write stuff. And the kids do their spelling lists and their math on our window. And then you look out the window and it's just covered with child scrawl. But you're like, eh, at least they're learning something. Um, Give yourself a trial run. Once again, do less. Take it easy on yourself. Um, Try it for a week. Can you do it for a week? After a week, go, okay, this didn't really work. Because what's probably going to happen is you're like, I'm trying to do way too much. And this is unrealistic. Tweak it. Do less. Then after that, can you go for a month? After a month, can you go for two months? If you give yourself a trial run, then it allows you it allows you not to go, I failed, I can't do this. It helps build your confidence, right? If you were running a marathon, you don't run 26 and a half miles, right? You run half a mile. Then you run one. And then you go in increments, right? If, if we're talking about life plans or changing bad habits, that's helpful. Give yourself a trial run. Don't go for all of it at once. All right, I love this part. There's amazing technology in our lives that can help you with this. Perhaps you're not familiar with these things. Okay, everyone knows the Bible app reading programs, right? You probably have one on your phone right now, correct? If you're like me, you don't? Well, there's about 30 of them. I use, uh, the most common one is, uh, oh, well, what's the one I have on my phone that everyone uses? Bible Gateway has one. 
I think I have Life Bible. Anyways, they all have the plans, right? I had this on my phone for, I don't know what, five years, eight years? Long time. I signed up to read a plan. It can give you email reminders. Did I do it? No. Because I wasn't replacing one habit with the other, right? And also, I was like, hey, I should really do that. Read through the whole Bible in one year plan. That's actually a lot of reading. Have you guys tried that? It's actually a lot of reading. Now, if you can do that, this is not a competition and you're not better than me because we're all that scandal of grace. I had a hard time doing that. So I found a plan. It's like read through the New Testament in one year. I'm like, I think I could do that. Do less. And you know what? Now that I've given up Twitter on the toilet, much easier. Once again, accountability, see, family. Much as you know what? I'm doing great at this now. But the, the difficulty is you're like, oh, yeah, I should really do this. And then you sign up. You do one of those plans that's, quite frankly, really difficult or doesn't fit into your time. Do less, do less, do less. Bible reading apps, amazing. Here's the other one that I like. Have you guys heard the Daily Audio Bible? Gordy mentioned it. Was it Gordy who mentioned it the other week about the, about the dude who sounds like Batman, who reads, he has this really deep voice, and his name is Brian Harden. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. And he reads the Bible to you. So awesome. And he reads, uh, so, uh, so he reads through the whole Bible in a year. They also have a Daily Audio Proverb, so you can just do the Proverbs. They have it in Spanish and Hindi, they have it in another language. They have, yeah, they have a daily audio Bible for kids, and he has his kids read it. He has a daughter and a son, and his son is hilarious. <laughs> like, it's so great. Um, so it's an app. It's a podcast. It's on the web. If you can turn on a computer, you can access this dude. It's as simple as that. Yeah, Rick. Rick gave me years ago... Johnny Cash reads the New Testament on CD. And every time I DJ something, I still drop tracks of Johnny Cash reading the Bible into it because it's awesome. So there's a thousand ways that you can make this happen. Really helpful. Uh, Oh, that didn't work out at all. Um, That is supposed to say um, coach.me. This is a new one I found. So it's web. It's also an app, iPhone and Android. It is um, goal tracking and reminders and community. It's super interesting when you start digging around in this thing um, because um, that is your coach.me reminder right now telling you, listen to Wade preaching. So, so coach.me does stuff like that. So, and it's this online community. Used by everyone, so whether it's exercise or prayer or meditation, like you can go online and you can find this whole community of people who are like, I want to read the Bible more. And then you set it to give you reminders. You're like, when do you want to do it? Every day, every two days, once a day. When do you want your reminder to come? 8 a.m., noon. So you can set all that. And then I set it to help me remember my contemplative prayer, which actually I forgot to do and I got to work on that as well, but your phone goes bing, and then it's just like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm supposed to do my contemplative prayer, and then it tracks your goals for you, because then you can celebrate your successes. 
And if you want to get really serious, then there's even other people all over the world who are doing the same thing. Then they could go, hey, did you pray today? Huh? 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 And that, that peer pressure helps. So, yeah, it's super cool. Check it out. Um, coach.me. Um, this is one I love. I love setting my phone alarms uh, to pray around Scripture for different things. Uh, I've said this for years. Isaiah 116, set your phone to go off at 116 p.m. to pray for justice. My personal favorite then is to tweak my phone alarm to Metallica and Justice for All. So, but that's way too geeky for most of us. But then again, or... um, 127, pray Psalm 127 uh, to pray for provision, for work, to pray for your children if you have them. I love this one, Proverbs 5, 18 and 19 at 5, 18 p.m. is when I pray for Joanna. Uh, what is, what's your scripture? You can turn the reference into a time, set your phone. You can even make your phone pull up the scripture if you want to get all fancy. You can make your own custom alarms if you're as geeky as I am. Anyway, super fun. And um, once again, in the transition between computers, that says Pease's Nap App. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with this bit of technology, and I promise I'm going to end here very soon. So how many of you have used... I think all of us need to take naps. How many of us love the nap? There you go. We are a culture who is very sleep deprived all the time. Napping is Sabbath. Napping flies in the face of our culture that tells us all those sorts of things that we need to do more. I'm not talking about being lazy and sleeping the afternoon away, but seriously, a 15 minute nap after lunch? Game changing. So. Pizzas, P-Z-I-Z-Z. It is a phone app. I think you actually need to pay for it now. It might be $8, $10, worth every penny. So what it is, I don't know if you've ever used those like sleeping CDs where there's a dude who talks deeply and tells you to relax and there's ocean noises in the background. Yeah, it's that, but... But there's more. First of all, because it's an app, it's not a CD, it's randomized, right? So your brain doesn't get, oh, now he's going to say this. You can adjust the volume of the dude talking, or you can turn him off. You can make the soothing noises. You can adjust. But here's the amazing thing. Um, Do you guys know that you can trick your brain into falling into nap-like patterns without falling asleep? And that when you are sleeping, your brain operates at certain tonal frequencies, right? Of like REM sleep is at this frequency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now this one is for Dean. If you play those frequencies out of phase, which means like left ear, right ear, left ear, right ear, left ear, right ear, very quickly, your brain makes up the difference and goes to that frequency. Have I lost you on the science? So what that means is you can get your brain to go into nap mode without falling asleep by listening to those frequencies, which is what this app does. Super cool. So what you do is you're like, I have 15 minutes. You put on your headphones. You set it for 15 minutes. You may not fall asleep. But when that alarm goes off after 15 minutes, you feel like a million bucks. 
I did not believe it until Sophia was born. And then I'm like, I need to sleep right now because I'm going crazy. Totally works. So we should nap more. P-Z-Z, P-Z, I-Z-Z. Tips. Many tips. Holistic gospel. Right there. So. And here's the last one to finish. Start now. Like, I mean, right now. Like... Take this moment and look at the list. And we are going to finish by starting right now. So, Lord, I want to thank you that according to our helpful list, that we need to learn how to slow down more and how to have margins. I want to thank you that as a family, Joanne and I are learning about this more and more and how important it is for us to care for ourselves in, in opposition to the spirit of this world that keeps, us, keeps telling us that we need to do more, that we need to do more. That we also don't earn your love or your grace, but you love us unconditionally no matter what. And that Psalm 127 says that it's useless for us to strive and work hard for money because you give rest to those that you love. So now, Lord, we are going to reflect on what you have for us individually of how you want us to continue to grow in silence. I kind of don't want to speak. I don't have a lot of silence in my life. Even that long of a public silence is uncomfortable for us, isn't it? It's countercultural.
So I'm going to finish with this once again as a thank you. I thank you that that you have all helped make VEV a community of welcome and of care and of a place where all of us can walk through how God is working in our lives as we help each other, as we hold each other's hands, as we hold each other accountable. I want to thank you guys for making this a safe place for all of us to do this together. Amen. I remember when I met Wade first, and I was just so, like my whole life message, Wade represents, it's what God wants us to know, is that it's okay to be special and unique and not try to be like anybody else because he made us according to his blueprint, right? So why are we trying to be like everybody else? So I feel like that we need to give each other permission maybe as we turn to one another and we want to pray. Some of you are going to go right back immediately and get a cup of coffee and get some little snack. But others, like me, I want to look at this beautiful writing. One of them is about how Mary met Elizabeth, and that was when what was within her that was conceived by the Holy Spirit leapt when she had someone else help her recognize what was being birthed in her, what was, what was conceived in her. And we need each other, not in a codependent way, but in an inspirational way. I've always discerned on Joanna the incredible gift of artistry. And I had visions of her years ago of her dancing. I wouldn't be surprised if very soon we see her dancing in this church like seriously dancing <laughs> and Wade like leading citywide raves I can hardly wait I hope I'm not too old and get my knees still bending because when God has put something on you he takes his time but he allows us to wake up to what he's given us to do in a beautiful way so some of you hear the voice so loudly. I know I've had that voice. That, uh, for instance, I, have, I was in a car crash years ago when I was 16, and I had to overcome the fear of death. I had to walk with Jesus, and I got into my vehicle, and I would say, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of death. Because I had had this vision that I'm going to veer off the road. I'm going to catapult into the ditch. I'm going because that's what happened to me. Anyway, so it's the re like Wade, you, what you shared so beautifully. The retraining. So if there is this voice that constantly is there, like a migraine headache, dull ache thing, that's always saying you're not good enough. Why don't you do something about your blankety blank life? You know, the condemnation, the guilt. We have to be able to say, like Jesus said, peace be still, out in the name of Jesus. Or get someone else to say, peace be still, without hitting ourselves too hard in the head. 
So, Father, I just bless my friends, and I'm on the same journey, Lord, of learning how to discern your voice of encouragement, learning how to discern your, your voice of deliverance for me, for my loved ones, for my friends, waiting on you. Lord, I think you're, you're inviting Gordy and I into a lot more stillness, a lot more contemplation as we have these wonderful nights of just sitting quietly before a candle and meditating and hearing your voice, that your voice is like the voice of still waters running deep. It's not like a screeching, blaring uh, horn that's honking at us to move and get drive faster. So we thank you again for this pivotal time. We thank you again for family. We thank you again for friends. And I'm reminded, again, as, as Sandra was, had said previously, when we light a match in the darkness, we see the match. We have to see the match. We don't look at the darkness. We see the match. Then we can see where to go. So, Lord, we again resign ourselves to lighting the match, that you would be the light of the world in Jesus' name. So I just invite you to enjoy the beauty that's here today and coffee, fellowship, tea, and prayer. If you are a little bit nervous, 